0: Hi, it's Jackie, and we're in a series on body image. On our last episode, we looked at what we learned about our female bodies from our mothers and media. And in today's episode, we're diving into what the church teaches, and I'm hoping they have something better to say. Welcome to the Jackie Always Unplugged podcast, where we're having off-the-record conversations. I'm Reverend Dr. Jackie Reese, founder and president of the Marcello Project. As a pastor, preacher, and thought leader, I've walked with women of faith for decades and had thousands of conversations about what women encounter solely because they are women. At work, family, their faith, with relationships, sex, the church, their bodies, and Jesus. On this podcast, we're gonna be asking hard questions, dealing with real issues, and revisiting scripture with a new lens. These conversations are gonna put words to your female experience. They're gonna ennoble you as Jesus intended, and encourage you to bring your full self to the table. It's here we're going to reshape our view. Welcome back. Like I said, today's episode, we're looking at what the church teaches about the female body. And surely, surely the body of Christ has a better story about our bodies, right? Well... Let me ask you, do we? Do we Christians have a better story? Just, just take a moment. Take a moment with me and ponder. Think back. Think back to Sunday school. Maybe it was middle school, youth group, beach camp, summer camp, Bible studies, small groups. Maybe you attended a Song of Solomon conference or it was a sermon from the pulpit. What was spoken? What unspoken messages did you receive? about your female body? What messages didn't you receive? Because that's also a message, isn't it? Next week, we're going to talk about the messages that men receive. But on this episode, we're focusing on women. So consider. Consider what selective biblical references verses, stories were used to discuss your body, your female body. If I had to guess, I would say that most of us probably heard Psalm 139, you know, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I suspect we also heard something from Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6.19, you know, where it says your body is the temple, and then that was always tied to some sexual sin. Or maybe we heard a sermon about Ruth proposing to Boaz inappropriately, or Tamar who prostituted herself, or the woman caught in adultery. Or maybe you went to a marriage retreat where you were taught about the female body from the Song of Solomon. Any others? What themes, what theology were you taught about your female body? This is a question I've been asking women for years, actually for decades. I give them a bunch of sticky notes, and I ask them to write their answers on those sticky notes, and then to take them and slap them on the wall when they're finished. And they do. And then I have someone read all of those notes out loud. Now, here's some of the sticky notes from just one group. But I will tell you, they are indicative of just about every group I've ever asked this question to. So I want you to think about when I read them off, what are the themes? What is being communicated about the female body? Okay, here is some of those sticky notes comments. Modest is the hottest. My body is for child rearing. My body is a threat. My body is to submit to my husband. By the way, that came up in a lot of variety of ways. The, the assumption here or the message here is that every woman is married and every woman submits their bodies. So, yeah. My body is to submit to my husband. My body is a tempstress. My body is dangerous. Dress modestly, not to distract from your brothers in Christ. Men choose your body, you don't choose theirs. Lady in the streets, freak in the street sheets. That was a new one for me. Lady in the streets, freak in the sheets. And let me just share one more. Men get fat as long as they are rich, but women can't get fat. Interesting, right? And like I said, this is pretty much the norm. Wherever I have gone, wherever I have asked this question, all around the country, I'd be interested to know, are your answers similar? What would your friends say? If you have daughters, what would they say? What would your sons say? By the way, this might be a really good podcast to send them or to listen to together and then have a conversation about that. We need to start having more informed conversations about our bodies. And if you want, you can go over to Jackie Always Unplugged Facebook group page and and tell us, what would you have put on the Stokey note? And if you want to go deeper, I do have this three-lesson mini course on body image. You can find it on my website, themarcellaproject.com. And if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate it if you take some time and subscribe. Subscribe to Jackie Always Unplugged. So the themes from the sticky notes, what were they? Thin, sexy sex. That was pretty much what we heard from Mother and Media, right? Last on the last episode. There's some new things added here in the church, right? We added like a guy thing. You gotta get a man, you gotta have a baby. And you got to take care of others in your body. And and when I hear these things, I think, how does this message fit us women? Does it fit every woman? Does it fit every stage? I mean, how do women hear this message who aren't married, who won't marry, who don't want to be married? Or how do women who can't or won't or don't have children process this message? Are these women enough? And I'm 55, and, you know, like I, I have, I, I'm not going to have any more babies. I, I, I don't spend the majority of my days and my year having sex and, and having babies. So what's my body na- about now? Is it only for me to serve in keeping my husband pleased and my house hospitable? And why do I have a gendered body in the new heavens and new earth where it doesn't seem like I'm married or having kids? I mean, I hate to say it, but when I listen to some of the narratives that we're learning from our faith community— they just aren't a big enough story. They're just not a good enough story about my female body. I mean, the truth is, most of our faith communities speak about the female body in the context of sex, if we're really honest. And if I look back on church history, that's pretty much been the extent of it. Now, I am exaggerating some, but not much. I mean, we got to start with Aristotle, and I know, by the way, don't email me or text me and say, well, he's not a church father, I'm aware. He's a Greek philosopher. But his thinking greatly influenced our church fathers, who took his thinking and used it as a lens when they looked at the scriptures and interpreted according to his thinking. We could actually say that our church fathers built their theology on the shoulders of Aristotle. And what did Aristotle teach? That women were natural deformities, that they represented reproduction gone wrong. Women were basically, and I'm quoting, deformed men. That has been the thinking about your body and my body. Aristotle also went on to say, and I'm quoting, as regards to the sexes, the male is by nature superior and the female inferior. The male is the ruler, and the female is the subject. And it's off from that thinking that St. Augustine, one of our church fathers, said, and I'm quoting, that men's minds are more naturally inclined to contemplate higher things, and women's heads are filled with thoughts of lower things. He believed that men were made in God's image, but women were not. The bottom line? The female body, which is mind, body, and soul. Don't ever forget that. Don't be dualistic and keep us separated. Mind, body, and soul is less than the male body. Another church father said that women were uh, collectively weak and fickle. St. Thomas Aquinas, and this is one of my favorite, and I'm quoting, he said women are dominated by their sexual desires, and men were ruled by reason. Did you know that? Did you know that for most of church history, that's been the thinking, that women are more sexually driven, right, because that's the lower things that you think about men. Men, they just want to reason. And this is partially, this thinking is partially why women weren't allowed to learn from a Jewish rabbi because, you know, rabbis taught in the public. And if a woman went out in public without being escorted by a father or a husband, it meant she was being licentious. She was looking for it which makes me think of something I recently read in Rebecca Tussig, and I probably did not pronounce her name well. I'll post it on Facebook page. She wrote this book called Sitting Pretty, which is about ableism and disabilities. I highly recommend it. And she said this, historically, women's physical frailties, that would include things like our monthly cycle, were evidence that we shouldn't be educated, work, or leave the house. She said the first public bathrooms were for men because why would a woman ever need to be in the public long enough to need a restroom? In order to assert that we women do deserve to be educated and work and have the right to exist in public, women have felt the need to claim their strength and hide their preconceived weaknesses because in very real ways they could be used as evidence to send us home. To send us home. And many of us have been taught that that's exactly what Paul was teaching in the Bible, that we women should take our bodies and go home and be quiet. And unfortunately, Paul has gotten a very bad rap. I think he's going to straighten it out when we see him in the new heavens and new earth. Beth Allison Barr, in her book, The Making of Biblical Womanhood, points out that Paul, who, by the way, we have to remember that Paul lived in Greco-Roman times, a world where The female body was considered imperfect, deformed men, remember? Paul says that men are to love the female body like they love their own, Ephesians 5, 27 through 29. He said women, like men, can be holy and without blemish. Think about this. In light of the fact that it's thought that women were deformed, in fact, Paul, who, I'll remind you, was a man, described himself using maternal imagery more than paternal imagery. The point is, Paul didn't disdain the female body. He, he proclaimed she, the woman's body, all that it is, mind, body, and soul, is as valuable and as worthy as he. And that's pretty impressive, in light of how women and women's bodies were viewed in Paul's day. Now, we're going to get to what the Bible and Jesus has to say about the body in a few more episodes. But what I want us to recognize here is that what's in the Bible and what we've been taught that's in the Bible can be two very different things. Our church fathers taught that women were less than, they were weak, Fickle, tempestuous, lower-minded. And those teachings may be ancient, but I'm here to tell you, they still linger in our churches today. And how do I know that? Well, the sticky notes. The sticky notes tell me. And because when my daughter Madison was in youth group, her pastor sent me home a form to sign. I was to sign it stating that I would not allow Madison to wear a bikini at beach camp. Every girl's mom received one of those forms. Nothing was sent home, by the way, about our sons and what they should or shouldn't wear. And so I called the youth pastor and I asked him, I said, why aren't you requiring any clothing restrictions for my son Hampton or any of the other boys on the trip? I mean, Hampton is an athlete with a six-pack. Yet it seems like the message is being sent to the kids, both my daughter and my son, and every other male and female in that youth group, was that Madison should cover up her body so that boys don't sin. She's a tempstress, and boys are weak. Also, Hampton didn't need to wear a shirt because girls in high school, well, they're not visual. They're not sexually tempted. Do you hear how confusing this messaging is? She's a temptress but not sexually tempted, and in complementarian churches where men are the leaders and women follow, Hampton's to lead, but he's weak. Like, how does this all go together? No no, no kidding, our kids are confused. By the way, I'm okay if Madison has to wear one piece, and I'm okay if she doesn't. I really don't care one way or the other. What I'm not okay with is what we are telling our sons and daughters about their bodies that their bodies are solely about sexuality and that that sexuality is no, 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 naughty, naughty, naughty. I have spent the last 20 plus years working with women who've been taught that message in their faith communities. No, no, no. And then they get married and suddenly they're supposed to go, go, go. And let me tell you, that has created a whole lot of angst in a whole lot of marriages. Can I get an amen on that? Again, If you listen to the themes we're learning about the female body, it's really wrapped around sex. And that is just too small of a story. The other thing we hear often in our churches is that our female bodies are about being eye candy. Now, nobody says it like that. We hear it in other ways. Like when our pastor stands up in the front and tells us that his wife is a hottie. Every time I hear that from a pastor, I cringe. <laughs> Everything in me wants to stand up and say, stop that! I don't, but I really want to. All it does is tell every woman in the congregation that being sexy and beautiful, and by the way, beautiful by society's standards, thin, sexy, young, big chest, small waist, that's what's valuable. This message is isn't new, right? We, we just heard some of the things the church father taught. It's been around for a long while. But here's the thing we're going to learn. It's not Jesus' message. In 1973, there was a woman named Morgan Maribel who published a book called The Total Woman. In 1974, it was a bestseller. And she gave Christian women practical tips on how to become the quote-unquote Sunshine in their homes. She told women to, and I'm quoting, keep up their curb appeal and to look and smell delicious, to be feminine, soft, and touchable, not dumpy, stringy, or exhausted. At least if they wanted their husbands to come home to them. In 2006, Pastor Mark Driscoll, known as one of the most successful evangelical leaders of that time, set off this firestorm with his response to Ted Hagger scandal. And listen to the body shaming going on here. And I'm quoting again. At the risk of being even more widely despised than I currently am, I will lean over the plate and take one for the team on this. It is not uncommon to meet pastor's wives who really let themselves go. They sometimes feel that because their husband is a pastor, he is therefore trapped into fidelity, which gives them cause for laziness. A wife who lets herself go is not sexually available to her husband in the ways that Song of Solomon is so frank about, is not responsible for her husband's sin, but she may not be helping him either. Hmm, listen to what he just said to us. Dorothy Patterson, who was a professor of theology of women's studies at Southwestern Seminary, Baptist Theological Seminary, wrote that God's women... God's woman doesn't, does give time and effort to her appearance. And just this last month, March 20, 21, a firestorm started off about this Missouri pastor who was videotaped saying in his sermon, and I quote, God gave man to be drawn to beautiful women. I'm sorry, God made men to be drawn to beautiful women. And everything in me wanted to go, dude, where do you see that in Scripture? Like, point it out. If you're so biblical, I need a verse. God made man to be drawn to beautiful women. Why is it that so many times that women, after they get married, let themselves go? I'm not saying that every woman can be epic, the epic trophy wife of all time, like Melania Trump. And then he went on to discourage women from wearing sweatpants, flip-flops, and pajamas. He's obviously forgotten what women are dealing with in a pandemic. And then he said, that ain't going to work. Ain't nothing attractive about that. Yeah, that's some of the stuff we hear. That is what is being said through spoken and unspoken messages, that we women must meet society's standard of beauty, and that beauty is, is so that we can keep a man, and so that we can keep a man and keep him faithful so he won't sin, meaning have sex with other women. And let me just tell you, that is a big, fat pack of lies. You can be beautiful by society standards and you can be putting it out with your husband all you want and he can still be unfaithful. I'm sorry, ministered to women for decades, big fat lie. And I wonder, have you picked up on these messages in your Christian home, at your Christian school, your church? Any of these resonate with you? I suspect they do. And I know it's impacted you, how you view yourself how you live and move in your body. Perhaps it's pushed you to body neglect or body obsess or body shame. And what I want you to know is this is not truth that sets us free. This is not what Jesus has for you or for me. It's not. I remember the first time I preached from the pulpit There was more conversation surrounding my body, way more about my body than the content of my sermon. I was pretty sure that visiting pastors hadn't received as much instruction about their appearance. There was concern from every angle, like wear your hair up so it's less wild and more professional. Remember no cleavage. Wear a jacket to cover your breasts. Wear long pants, no ankle length, and nothing too tight. It it was as if I was being asked to leave my female body out of it, to be bodiless so others could feel safe. And that's when I decided. That's when I decided not to let others separate my work from my body. My body and my work are one with my being and with my soul, and I offer them together. I will do it no other way. One author writes, our body is the pen with which we write our life story, beginning with our first breath and ending in our death. The body gives the physical representation of the things happening in the inner chambers of thought, desire, reason, and emotion. Another scholar says, from our birth to our death, the human experience and its history are tied to our bodies. Everything that happens to me Everything that happens to you happens to our bodies. That that first time preaching was the last time I let people tell me to be bodiless. From that point on, I made a point that I am an embodied female with hips and large breasts. And I have for decades sat in the pew and watched a body's m- male body move before me. And so others, too, are going to have to deal with my female body moving in front of them in the pulpit. My body and my work are one with my being and with my soul, and I offer them together. Speaking of moving. <laughs> One time, I sat next to this man and his wife at a fundraiser in Dallas, and he turned to me and shared, oh, I so enjoy hearing you preach from the pulpit, but I notice you move your hips a lot. I notice you move your hips a lot. He said this in front of his wife to me. And it took me a second, but then I quickly responded, well, why are you looking at my hips? And then I just went silent and waited, and it got very uncomfortable. And I was very okay with that. I thought to myself, it's kind of time I take back the narrative about the female body. Why are you looking at my hips? And then there was last year, just before the pandemic, I met with this male church leader who wanted to talk to me about training his, his men to preach. And we were meeting in pu- public, a public place. So, of course, he brought another guy just so we'd be safe. And I didn't know what he looked like because I tend not to Google people. I kind of prefer to meet people without checking them out first, kind of just, you know, not to have any preconceived notions. And so I walked into the restaurant and he approached me. And the first comment out of his mouth was, wow, I Googled you and you actually look like your biopic. And then he went on to say, you know, usually women post younger pictures of themselves, but yours is like really accurate. (laughs) I got to be honest, I was a bit taken back partly because actually my biopic is 10 years old and I've got way more wrinkles and he obviously needs glasses, but also because I thought, like, how odd is that, that this is his first statement to me, a comment about my looks? I mean, he Googled me. Surely he read that I have two seminary degrees and that I teach two Bible college-level master classes online and that I've written four books and over 25 Bible studies and I've trained women internationally and have 25 years of experience in ministry. Surely he read that, and his comment to me was about my looks. I mean, I can't even imagine him doing that with a male church leader. Can you? No. No. See, in my faith community, I have learned and experienced the same things you have. You and I, we've learned that our female bodies are a problem, a problem that has to be overcome, that our bodies need fixing, that our bodies are sexual objects to be used to attract and keep a man, that our bodies are best when they are beautiful, beautiful by society's standards. There's been very little, if any, mention to how our bodies enable us to be known by others, how our bodies facilitate relationships, allow us to belong, to work, to partake in creating civilization as God instructed in Genesis. Our bodies heal and bring healing to others. Our bodies declare something about who God is Did you know that? Your body, yes, your exact body, just the way it is, actually says something about the divine in a way that no other body does. But nothing, nothing about that at all, very little, if any. Just mostly how our bodies somehow have to do with sex, which, by the way, is a part of our bodies. I'm all for it. You know, our bodies facilitate us to be able to move into knownness through nakedness and and physical act of sex. Yes, yes, yes. But our bodies are more than that. That's just too small, way too small of a story. As one author said, our story starts in Genesis 1. And in Genesis 1, God endowed you with a glory when he created you. A glory so deep and mythic that all of creation pales in comparison. A glory unique to you, just as your fingerprints are unique to you. Just as the way you laugh is unique to you. Your original glory was greater than anything that's ever taken your breath away in nature. And somewhere down deep inside, we've been looking for that glory ever since. Amen. Amen. Next week, I'll be talking with Dr. Todd Phillips about what men learn about the male body. And then we're actually going to, after that episode, we're going to move into opening the scriptures and hearing what God has to say about our female bodies. But for now, I want to leave you with this commission. Go in peace in your body. Hey, if you've enjoyed this conversation, then hop on over to themarcellaproject.com and sign up for our email or check out some of our other resources. You can also find me on the Marcella Project Facebook page or on every other platform of social media as Jackie Reese, R-O-E-S-E. Have a great day.